0: For the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast with your host, Mr. Green, and we are into another week, another review. Ten episodes, ten full episodes of Wow Women of Wrestling has appeared on uh, Access TV for season two, and. uh... They're chugging right along, and this is the uh, the newest episode, and we're going to talk about that in full. Probably do some side tracking like I did, you know, in most other uh, episodes. But wow would be the bulk of what we are talking about here. And of course, as you know, if you are not on our, well, if you have not subscribed to one of our platforms, to at least one of our platforms. Hopefully, you subscribe to more than one. But if you haven't done that, then Please go ahead and take the time to hit that subscribe button, particularly if you're listening to this on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, click the bell for notifications so you get this podcast along with other matches and interviews that we get as uh, the the days and the weeks roll on. If you're listening to this podcast in MP3 form on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, etc., etc., where all greater podcasts are found, then uh, I'm going to encourage you to a, subscribe where you are finding that particular podcast, and b, leave a review, man. You know, let let people know that you enjoy the show if you if you do enjoy the show, and uh, if you're having a hard time following this or you know you, you happen to just stumble across it and you don't know where, when, or how, uh, you can find these things. And you can always go to our website wpnrustling.com. That is WPNWrestling.com. That is a nexus for everything that we are doing. There's a a 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week video stream of women's wrestling and women's wrestling content on that channel. So uh, if you are just looking for something, if you're looking for some women's wrestling to kind of peruse through, then I would suggest... That you would go onto that channel, well, not that channel, but you go onto our website and you go pick through because it is on right now as I speak, and you can find just match after match after match, interview after interview, all good stuff, especially for us fans of women's wrestling and the women wrestling stars out there. So if you if you're not just looking to support us because. Your listening always supports us. Your liking and subscribing and all that good stuff supports us. But you are also supporting the, the uh, women wrestlers because it helps get their name out there. It helps their bookings. The more that they are well-known, notified by the, you know, the, the promoters and whatnot out there, and the numbers matter. That's that's uh, basically what it comes down to. The numbers matter. When they see that there are people that are interested in, and that particular talent, it uh, increases the chances that they will get booked. So you know it is a uh, it is a domino effect, if nothing else. So you want to go ahead uh, and do that. And also, before I roll off of our website, not only is the twenty four seven stream there, but you have access to all of the uh, the podcast. You scroll down a little bit underneath the video player. And you will see the uh, the widget for the podcast sitting right basically underneath it. Got all the episodes. and They drop in. As soon as they are active, they pop right up on that website. So you've got a couple of different ways to show your support, a couple of different ways to follow us, a couple of different ways to stay in tune with what the Women's Broward Network is doing at this particular time. Anyway, we are going to go forward with uh, WOW episode 10 and talk about what they have gone on with this particular show. This was a very tag-team heavy show. And maybe the most tag-team heavy show that I've seen on a while since Wild WOW has uh, returned, uh, at least this season. Um, but, you know, they, even with that, they stayed true to the format. I'm not really sure why they showed a recap about the world's heavyweight tie. Well, I say heavyweight. Uh, let me rephrase that. I'm not sure why they showed a recap about the WOW World title. They opened up with a show recap like they always do. This is not, you know, uncommon for WOW to do. It just was a little bit odd for me that they were talking about, at least briefly, uh, the championship that, hey, Jungle Girl and The Beast and Tessa Blanchard and so on and so forth. Yes, it's a recap of what happened last week, but that... Uh, you Know it had no bearing on anything that took place in the show this week. I mean, none at all. They, they didn't have an interview with him, they didn't talk to him, that you know, nothing forwarded as as far as that uh, that particular angle or storyline is concerned. Uh, just seemed a little out of place. It was good, but I mean, but it, it was short and it was out of place. So, the recap goes into the tag team scene, which is the main event. And that should be what was what was talked about. Uh you know, there's a thousand different ways to do something right. So I'm not gonna say that this was wrong. I'll say what I prefer was if we know that we're going into the main event of you know we're forwarding for the tag team championship, then I would have preferred that entire recap be that. Let's recap the entire season of the teams that were in it and who you know who were going on out. Who, who got eliminated. Now, uh, I understand because what the match is that they probably will do this next week. And that was one thing I, I did feel like. When I looked at the week last week's episode, and they talked about, uh, well, I think it was last week. might have been a week before. Well, when they talked about, hey, you guys won. You're going to the triple threat match in the finals. Uh, well, maybe they didn't say finals, but you know, to determine the, the, the tag team champions, what they did do, they didn't clarify what was going on with that. And as it stands here, this is the first time that I heard that, hey, you going into this match as a triple threat setup, but it's only elimination in that we're going to eliminate one team and then we'll finish it off later. Which was not the way it was Presented, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me that they would do that. It's like, you know what? He advertises triple threat elimination match. That was what was said. It is a triple threat elimination match. When they started talking about the main event being that it was going to be a, a triple threat match, an elimination triple threat match at that, I, I don't think that they did a good job of clarifying like, okay, yes, it's a triple threat match, but only one team would be tri- eliminated in this match. And then the other two will fight the next week. Uh I have not seen up until today, I have not seen a triple threat match work that way. I you know, I can't again, I can't say that is wrong. That would be absurd for me to say that. But I don't understand Well, no, actually I do. I understand why they did it. They, they're stretching out weeks of TV and I get it, you know, we, we got 24 weeks of television we got to fill, so we got to do it with something. It just seems like, you know, man, come on, this this is something that should be over right now. And when I sat there and watched this, like this match should be the match and should be done. You know, yes, they can have an elimination match and, you know, one team gone, now it's down to two, but I have not seen one get stretched out over the course of two weeks. That's just me, and that's just my opinion, but you know, you're welcome to leave yours in the uh, comments below. Uh, First segment that we have here, the video package that sets up the first match and recaps the Steffi Slay's feud with Abilene Maverick. Basically the whole deal about her being bullied and so on and so forth. Uh, So what we got is Abilene Maverick. Teaming up again with the disciplinary with, with uh, Samantha Smart in their corner, taking on the team of the Bully Busters. Who you know, I, I don't know if they've really gotten a lot of airtime here at this this particular season. No, they were in the tag team Well, at least I remember they were in the tag team tournaments. They got limited eliminated. Uh but as but as I'm thinking about it, it's like I don't really Stevie Slays. Yeah, she was. Kind of illustrated there for a while, but I don't recall the Bully Busters all that much. Maybe, maybe they were there. And I don't just remember because they didn't do anything of major significance. That that could be it. But uh, one of the things I wrote down here is that the Bully Busters music is super generic, and <laughs> that that's not really a, a big big deal. And uh, by the way, the match we we're in with this is a segment too. Uh, Yeah, it's just really, really generic. Not a big deal, but I mean, really, come on. You know, there's people on YouTube that are dying to make music, and one of them in particular I know uh, does music for wrestling content. So I'm not really sure why this just came off so, so, I I don't want to say bad. It just, just came off as like really, really bland to me, and, I know that they could do better. It might not have been such an issue if I couldn't have heard it as clearly as I did, but I heard it exceptionally clear in this particular episode, so it just stood out like a sore thumb. Anyway, as the match is going on, and we're not going to go blow for blow here, move for move. That you know, that that's when I do play by play, and I'm not doing the play by play for a wild match. But we're going to go to the uh, high points of this, and the high point of it is that the uh, the heels. Did get the advantage over the Bully Busters relatively early, and and uh, I mean, following the Bully Busters having that the babyface flurry, they did that. But then you know we got the heels that take control. Once they got controlled, you know that they, they are doing what the heels do, and that's that's all well really and good. There's a moment in the match where Maverick tags herself in to the disciplinarian. Disciplinarian looks like she's uh, not really happy that Abilene just tagged herself into the match. Not sure where that was going, you know, personally, because uh, you would think that they would have some sort of falling out or turn on each other or something like that. Uh, Keita Rush takes a beating here right up until Rush stops a double team and takes out both of the heels. This gives her the opportunity to make the tag to Steffi Slays. Steffi Slays catches the disciplinary and then sunset flip. Uh, the ref counts, but the ref count is weird here. It's like it goes one, two, uh, three, you know, something like that. I, I don't, I don't know what that was about. I looked at it a couple times. I mean, I, the the recap that they show on their program is edited, so they're like, oh yeah, there's a three count. But the reality of it is, is that what they showed in the real time, I guess, if you want to call it that. The real-time version is that he paused, he took a big hesitation, and went down for a three count. Now, in the kayfabe universe, that would be every bit of reasoning for Samantha Smart to be like, "We got cheated or something," you know. I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a it was a slow count, and the disciplinary still didn't kick out, so I don't know how she would really spin that. But it was a a, a weird, odd count, almost like it was a botch or like he was waiting for her to kick out, but she didn't, or, you know, something, anything. It just it just didn't fly. So the end result here is that the Bully Busters win the match. Abilene Maverick and the Disciplinarian lose. Uh, you don't really get a lot from Samantha Smart in this. You know, we, we got the heels, and I, I've said some words about Samantha Smart before in that, I would really like to see her do a little bit more out at ringside. I mean, we've seen some managers here that really gotten, you know, incredibly active, but I haven't gotten that from Samantha Smart yet. And then, you know, she's walking around with this, this yardstick. Now, I don't know what the deal is with the yardstick because, truthfully, it's not a very effective weapon in the ring. Uh, she took place in a triple threat. Well, not triple threat. A triple team is what I meant. I got a triple threat stuck in my head now. <clears throat> she took place in a triple team. One of the bully busters on the outside or on the, near the ropes, I should say, and she got one quick whacking with that yardstick. Now, yardstick does hurt. I'm not saying that it don't hurt. It does hurt. It is a. Uh, it can be a painful thing if swung hard enough. But one thing that I can't buy in this is that it is such an effective weapon that is going to cause a, a shift in the outcome of what's going on or that it would have been more effective than her fist or her feet or something like that. I mean, for a character that is has called herself Samantha Smart, she cannot possibly believe that this yardstick is going to be useful in this uh, scenario. But yet she carries it around and uh, does nothing. You know, that doesn't really interfere with it. Win the match didn't grab a leg didn't distract the referee just you know she was just there i'm still out on the verdict of samantha smart as a manager but anyway as stated the bully busters win the match and uh they that carries over to the next segment where abilene maverick in a locker room much like the one that they've been in before uh quits the team which is a uh Nice video. She, she basically says that the disciplinary got anger issues or, you know, something along those lines, which I'm not really s- sure if I see because I'm like, where did she lose her temper in this match? And if she did, where and losing her temper caused her to lose the match. So I don't, I, I didn't understand that. And we're not talking about how the video was shot because they always shoot the video as well, but it's the t- content of the video. The video, that I didn't get. I also didn't know that they were a team aside from the one or two random pairs that they had. And so, I, so when she comes in, there, it's like, "I quit." It didn't have a, an effect on me. I was like, "So, you know, y'all already had you know one match that I that I'm certain of, where you know you got eliminated in the tag team tournament." So I'm not I'm not even sure that they remained a team up to up until this week, if anything. I guess if they wanted to illustrate the point, they would have showed more video or some interviews with them or something like that. They didn't necessarily have to wrestle, but maybe a backstage segment or maybe something on the Facebook or the YouTube or you know something to show that they had some some sort of I uh, was not camaraderie. I don't want to say that some sort of intent to keep teaming up despite the fact that they lost. But I never got that, so I don't understand. Well, I didn't understand what Abilene Maverick was trying to say. Like, hey, I quit this thing. You know, I don't need to be part of this. You need some, some discipline or you need to control your anger and blah, blah, blah. It just, it, it didn't work. So Abilene storms off. And now you got the disciplinary and Abilene Maverick making, you know, who does she think she is? She can't talk to us that way. You need some discipline, and, you know, and the segment ends. So although Will shot. I didn't really get where, you know, what was the point of it. Segment four. We got a Dixie Darling's vignette recapping their feud with what was known as Grits and Glam. At least that's what Jesse Bell's, <laughs> Jesse Bell. See, yeah, uh, you know, folks, if you listen to this for the first time, every once in a while I, I refer to them as their independent wrestling name. Sometimes I, I just, you know, I'm just used to saying it because I I'm, I have called... Several of Jesse's matches, and I'm just used to saying Jesse Bell Smothers, but in this universe, she's Jesse Jones. So what I was getting at was uh, recapping a feud with what used to be Grits and Glam because that's what Jesse Sm- Jesse Jones, excuse me, called her called the team originally, but now they're being officially referred to as Southern Pride. So we recap that. We got the Dixie Dollars. They're showing you know this. Uh, young tag team that's the wow and you know how their their feud with the southern pride got started uh this was edited down to make the dixie darlings look a little bit more sympathetic than what they were uh, if you listen to my thing last week i said that the dixie darlings got what they deserved they, they were being you know basically jerks so <laughs> so you know that that the commentators try to pass it off like, ah, you know. So they played a prank on the on the uh on Southern Pride, like it was all in good fun. But no, I was like, come on, man! That they, they they got the beating that they deserved because they stole their boots, and you know that did contribute to the loss. You know that uh, it makes total sense to me that the team of Southern Pride, Amber O'Neal, Jesse Jones would be upset. So even though it was uh, presented. As the Dixie Darlings uh, are face and and uh, it was just uh, a, a harmless prank or something thereof, it was not, you know, not not in the k universe. I know that I know you get to control your own history because you own the footage and whatnot, but I, I, I can't I can't let that one slide. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, so we go to the next segment, which basically the, you know, the video package that we saw, the vignette that we saw up what, I just said not the vignette, the video package we saw up front was uh setting up for this match, which is the Dixie Dollars versus Southern Pride. And the Dollars started off hot, they started off good, you know, which is what you would expect until they were cut off by Southern Pride. As I'm watching this match, I'm thinking, you know, they need a heel announcer here. This, this, I, I never really advocate for a heel announcer all that often. And I certainly don't want a three person booth. I, I really enjoy just the two person booth that they got. I don't want them to, to change that. But if there ever was a time that would have been a good, uh, a good call to action for having a, a, a third person there or a good reason to have a third person there, this would be the match. Because, you got Dave McClain, you got Stephen Dickey, both who are doing a fine job, but they're only calling this from the viewpoint of the babyface faces, the Dixie Darlings. They're not calling it from the viewpoint of Southern Pride. Southern Pride, as I just stated, had every reason to be upset. Southern Pride has just cause to be mad at the Dixie Darlings. And as they talked about, well, you know, they – they they just weren't good enough to beat the uh, the team or firing or drilling, you know. They tried to blame it on losing their boots. And now uh, this is what the commentators are saying. You know, they tried to blame it on them losing their boots, but they just weren't good enough to win the match. Which, again, uh, like, now that's absurd. When we just saw the match, we saw her spring anchor, we saw that the that the shoes and the boots and the lack thereof came directly into play for them losing that match. So why exactly would we turn around and say, well, you know, they weren't good enough. This is where a heel commentator would have stepped up and like, no, that's not the case. You saw what happened. They lost because you wouldn't give them a break. If they got their boots on, they probably would have won. And again, in the K-Fabe universe, they probably would have. This They went undefeated ever since they got together, or at least up until that point. So what we have here is we got uh, – Southern Pride really taking it to the Dixie Darlings again. We're not going to go uh, blow for blow, move for move here, but the, the the Southern Pride does a fantastic job of old school wrestling here and manipulating the referee to being where they want him to be so that the other one could take advantage of the situation. So they didn't cheat in the uh, traditional sense of let's get a chain or throw fire in the person's face or something like that. It was all through referee manipulation, which uh, that becomes debatable whether that's cheating or not. It, it is maybe immoral or cheap, but is it cheating? That is, that is the real debate there. Uh, camera cuts in this—that's another thing. There's there's a point in, in the uh, in the match where one of the darlings, and I don't know which one, I'm just gonna say Jolene is driving her way across the ring. She's she's caught in the front face lock by Jesse Jones and she's driving or just pushing her way forward to get to the tag. She finally makes it and you've seen the spot before that the heel pushes, you know, the the baby face who's been in the ring there for a long time back across and the referee stops the new baby face from coming in. But what you didn't see is that you didn't see Amber Neal distract the referee. You know, for whatever reason That camera angle was just cut off, and it was just missed entirely. Uh, I I call bad edit on this because, you know, this is a fully edited show. They got multiple camera angles. I found it really hard to believe that they didn't have at least one where they could have shown Amber O'Neill getting the referee's attention so that we could see her distracting the ref to stop him from witnessing that tag. Uh, I guess it didn't matter, but, I mean, like I said, it's just bad in it. So, within this, one of the Dixie Dollars got a busted nose, so we can't say that she didn't put her body on the line for the match or that she's not paying her dues. She certainly is paying her dues. She caught one somewhere along there. I didn't see where, but she caught it, and, you, and it's very visible. You see blood all of a sudden on, like, uh, Jesse Jones' thigh, and, you know, on a little bit on Amber O'Neal, and they, then they get the close-up finally, and you see the – the busted nose on, uh, oh, who did I say, Jolene? Yeah, we're we going to start with her. So we have that. And finally, we're skipping ahead here, uh, Jolene makes the tag, comes in hot, uh, puts down uh, Jesse Jones, who's the legal person. But just before she makes the charge into Jesse in the corner, she stops and listens to the fans. That hesitation stops her just enough when she charges in, hits her shoulder on the turnbuckle, and even though she tries to get a quick punch in on Jesse Jones, she catches it, she mid-Jesse, and then jumps down to the to the floor to drape her other arm, the arm that she just hit into the turnbuckle across the top rope. Now, Jesse Jones comes in, and she's getting ready to put on her arm bar that she has won so many matches with, Leading up to this point, Amber comes around, pulls Jolene off of the uh, ring apron so she won't be there for a tag. Armbar's locked down. Jolene taps out. Uh, in my book, despite the distraction and the referee manipulation, it was a, flare, a fair win. And it's the outcome that should have happened. Uh, even though the Dixie Darlings are being positioned and set up as, you know, their babyface team and you should like them and, you know, you know they're wonderful and cute. And, this, and that, and the other. Despite all of that, I say that it's, it's too early. It's too early for them to be getting this way. It's too, uh, barring anything other than like a fluke roll-up or something like that. The team of uh, Southern Pride should, should remain strong. I want to see them challenging for those tag team championships. I really do. I think the team of Amber O'Neal, Jesse Jones, pretty good. Reminds me of the Thugs with uh, Jesse Jones' father back in the day. So it would be great to see them uh, get that shot, you know. D- despite being eliminated from the tournament, just challenge who's up front, you know. Challenge the ones who win the title, which is probably going to be a drilling and a fire. That's my that's my pick, you know. Now that I actually can pick, but we'll get to that later. So there we go. We got uh, the the team of Southern Pride winning the match, sending the Dixie Dollars out. Uh, I will make a side note about the Dollars. One thing they mentioned in the match, not the Dixie Dollars, but one thing the commentators mentioned in the match about them is that the Dixie Dollars have been training for about a year and they've been at our wild training facility. Uh, It's not that they do bad, because they aren't doing bad. They're doing fine. But this is also where I'm like, you know, they probably shouldn't be in the ring right now anyway nothing against them mind you they just probably shouldn't be you know this is the point where they should be on the independence and they should be working out all the kinks you know they should be working out all the kinks they should be working out what they can do what they can't what works in front of a crowd what does not all of that good stuff this is the time that they should be doing it but instead they're thrown onto a national stage this is every complaint that i had with some of the people on WoW in this first incarnation, is, it's not that all of them were bad. It says that everybody's not designed to be thrown into a national stage immediately. The dollars had the benefit of being in a ring with two teams who know what they're doing and they could probably carry a broom to a good match, you know, if they had to do it. Those two teams being the Monsters of Madness and then you got Southern Pride. So, you know, they, they were going to get taken care of, but what's going to happen when they get into the ring and they got to lead it? Huh? What's, what's going to happen with that? They should be out wrestling in somebody's armory or high school or something, you know, just in front of 50 people and getting all the stuff out of the system that they can. But unfortunately, for, because the way WoW is structured, <coughs> they're going to be placed into high-profile situations immediately. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's going to be necessarily a bad thing for, for them. Some people do very well, and they thrive, and they learn, and they, you know, they, they do well under pressure. The, I don't want to say complaint. That's probably not the, the right way to put it. The issue that I have is that even though some people do well under that, others don't, and it's forcing them into a situation where they have to be much better than they are already. So, I mean, time will tell. You know, they they may turn around and be the best team that Wilds got, but just judging off of how they bounce off the ropes, I mean, something as simple as that. I'm like, yeah, they probably need to be uh, they probably need to be doing this a, just a little bit more, you know, someplace else. Uh but uh, fortunately for them, they do have the benefit of being in the ring with some veterans, Ambrose Neal, Jesse Jones. You know that you're going to learn a lot when you step in the ring with some vets, and that's probably as good as it's going to get for them. Uh so maybe a couple of more matches with them, something like that. And you know, if they're lucky, they'll take them on the road with them because I know Jesse Jones and Ambrose Neal, or Jesse Bell Smothers and Ambrose Neal, whichever you prefer. Uh they they uh, they seem like they're doing this team thing legit now, i've seen them traveling and posting stuff on facebook and instagram you know they're taking bookings and whatnot so uh you know maybe the darlings could stand to uh just ride with them and go go someplace and uh and uh work some matches you know just show up some of these little small venues and, and where nobody really know or care where they could you know get get that thing learned you know if you're gonna mess up mess up there don't mess up depending on them to edit it out on television. Uh, segment six, the video package set up the next match is Chloe Hurts versus uh, the Faith to Linus, which is uh, basically Lana Starr is, uh, we'll say, in a, in a dressing room setting with Linus. She's getting ready, and she's saying, look, you know, in so many words, we got to change things up and, you know, start doing it my way. And Faith is like, all right. You know, it's just that simple uh so we move from that and we go to the next video package which is about chloe hertz and her ring rats illustrator how they have contributed to her loss like for the wins that she's gotten here's how they messed up <laughs> so you know the purpose behind that package is basically to show why they are not with her now and uh you know uh, I guess that she could do better on her own or as an old stage play said, I could do bad all by myself. Ugh, that was a that was a horrible connection, but still, yeah. Uh, so we go to the next match. Now, this is the single, the one and only singles match in this show. Everything else, tag matches, all tag matches. This is the this is the one that they've got. Faith Alonis and Chloe Hurst. Now, about... A lot of stuff comes out first and she sets the tone, but she gets on the mic and, you know, we're going to change things up. We're tired of, the, 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 you know, how this has been going and, you know, things are going to be different from now on, which I'm fine with that. And then Faith comes in and she comes in with her uh, dancers and she performs. This is a baby face entrance. That was the first thing I had. And and I wrote down, well, first thing I wrote down was this a lip sync show. I mean, I'm sure she actually sings the song, but you know, at this particular point, she ain't doing it live. It's not like when uh road dog would come out there with with our truth and they would rap on the way to the ring or, or get rowdy and all that stuff like that, or or uh, who else? Sir Mo <laughs> from Men on a Mission. If you want to go back in the day, a little, bit. it's not like it was a live performance. This is just you know her lip syncing to her own song, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but it is a lip sync all the all the same. The Next thing I wrote on here is, is she a heel? This is my notes as I'm looking at this. It's like, is this woman a heel? Why? Why is she doing this? Is it, this is about as babyface an interest as you're going to get. I'm coming out here with dancers and I'm performing. I'm, I'm putting on a show for you people. That's babyface, why is she doing this? And she's with Lana Star. Is Lana Star babyface too? I don't. I don't understand. I know Chloe Hertz has been presented as heel in this equation also this is one of those things i said in those earlier podcasts why you know what we've got so many heel versus heel matches and this is another one it's a heel versus heel match on paper but the reality of it is is that faith is a baby face in this match so we've got that uh Chloe, as I said, enters without her rats. We get we start off off to the match. There's a nice little reference to Rob Van Dam because if if you don't know, uh, Chloe Hertz is is uh, dating, if not married to, at this point, to Rob Van Dam. Uh, I think Stephen Dickey was the one that put it out. He basically said, "There's a five star gentleman out there that likes Chloe Hurts," and uh, <laughs> so I thought that was a nice touch for him as a as, as a commentator. I thought it was a nice little little uh, underscore reference. Uh, Faith hits a heel, a spinning heel kick, knocks Chloe down. Uh, goes for the cover. Chloe gets her foot on the ropes. Lana pushes it off. She does what a good manager should do. I enjoy, I, I love this. And Chloe kicks out anyway, but it does. It starts to open up this dialogue of what the hell, what happened? Why are you doing this? You know, the, like that is the look that Chloe hurts is presenting, and she's talking to Lana not talking to the referee. She's she's looking at her saying all this. I mean, she's not literally saying what the hell, but you get the point. So she reestablishes her control. Gets what I call the three squats, more drop in on uh, the Linus. Puts her down. Lana Star jumps up on April and, and starts distracting Chloe. And, and uh, Chloe's like, okay, what are you doing? What, what are you doing up here? So... I can buy this. I can buy the annoyance. I can buy that. She's distracted. One thing that I couldn't buy, or the two things I couldn't buy in this is that Lana breaks out the old bedazzled mirror and shows Chloe her, you know, the mirror. Now, Chloe, for whatever reason, is just taken with this. Like, oh, yeah, I look good. I look good. You know, now you know this woman is not there for you. She's not your manager. She's not your friend. I mean, I guess... It's the old honor amongst thieves scenario. But, you know, I was like, come on, we know that this isn't anybody that that came to the ring with you and and she doesn't have your interest in mind, so why would you get caught up in this? But she does, and she turns around, and then she gets smacked in the head with with the mirror, which is the other thing I can't buy. How is this mirror knocking her out? Why is this mirror knocking her out? It's ridiculous. So she goes down, after being hit in the back of the head with a mirror, Chloe Hurst is out for the count. One, two, three. Faith Linus wins, so she recovers from squash that she had last week with the Beast, and she's back in a winning position. Faith Elias is another young lady that is in wild. That I say that there's of the ones that I've seen that are uh, uh, out of the wild factory. We'll call it. She comes out to me as one that has you know, arguably the most potential, and I really want to see her go wrestle elsewhere. I'm not saying that she should quit WoW. That is not the uh the uh the thing I'm putting off here, but I, I would really love for her just to uh, take some independent bookings, man. I mean look, she's again, she's got a lot of potential. I, I think that she could be uh maybe one of WoW tops top girls if she really stuck with it. Well, she'd probably be a wild a top girl in a while, anyway. But it, but uh, a top wrestler in general, where if she just uh, had some other matches, learned learned some different styles, uh, wrestled in some different venues, uh, wrestled in front of different fans, all of those things count. And I think and I think most wrestlers will at least admit that to you. You know, being in front of fans in one area is different than being in front of fans in another. Like being in front of The ones that's coming in to see a TV taping is different than those hardcore fans that pay 10, 15, 20 bucks a month to go watch their local wrestling show. It's different than uh, wrestling in the north and the south or the Midwest. It's different wrestling in a big city opposed to a, uh, a rural area. So all of those things matter. I mean, as long as she's there is she's gonna be very protected because I don't think that Wow's ever gonna do anything that's gonna put her into a ill position as far as uh working is concerned. I mean they they, they got a, a televised crowd, they edit the edit the uh, showdown. So, I mean it should be fine in that regard, but as far as her in ring work and how good she can become because she certainly isn't bad. But as far as her how good she can become, I would really like to see her take that leap and wrestle a few other places. Uh that that is the absolute truth. Final segment of the show: The Monsters of Madness versus Fire and Adrenaline versus Siren and the Holiday. Why didn't this tournament end here? Is my note that I put down. Uh and I answered that question earlier. I know why. Answer simple. They're stretching it out. They want, you know, they got to get weeks of TV. I get it. But it just felt like this should have ended right here and right now, and they should be crowning Tattooed Champions. However, they didn't, and we know that this is going to go to the following week, so at least we know that the end is in sight. That's great. Uh I put my prediction out for this a week ago, and I got pretty much what you know—at least the finals. I got what I was uh, predicting. I just expected it a different way. We got the uh, babyface team, firing a drilling versus Siren Holiday and the Monsters of Madness. (laughs) One thing I knew for certain with this is that the babyface team is not going to be eliminated. That was what I walked into this match with. I said, "There's no way that they're going to knock them out of this tournament. That's that's not going to happen." Either the Monsters of Madness had to lose or Siren and the Holiday had to lose. Uh, in this particular case, I only picked Siren and the Holiday because they had another storyline going on. They had, the, they had the thing with Princess Ozzy. I expected Ozzy to do something or something involving her to take place that would get them booted out. But that didn't really happen. So anyway, as far as the match goes, we had a couple of good high spots. I shouldn't say high spots; that's probably the wrong thing. But a couple of good spots in the match that you know were very entertaining. Uh, Fire and Adrenaline were basically designed to take the beating here. Not only are they the babyface team, but they're the smallest team. You know, smallest pair, arguably in all of WOW. I mean, maybe Sassy Massey and Chantel Cella is about about as small. That I, I guess that would be it. But in this match, they definitely are the smallest. Um, so fire. You know, there's a portion in there where fire, Kara Hogan, for those who know on the independent circuit, are is in there with Havoc, which is a big size difference. Havoc's got her up in a following slam position. Fire is able to save herself from danger by slipping out and then tagging in Siren, which is you know your first shot of seeing a heel versus heel exchange, and there is an exchange between the teams, which which basically boils down to Holiday and Havoc facing off against each other. Where it is Holiday, you know, trying to knock her over, her being Havoc. She runs into ropes, hit a shoulder block, Havoc doesn't go down. She runs into ropes again. There's a leaping shoulder block, half doesn't go down. And now she's like, okay, okay, one more time, one more time. And she gets ready to run over, and then she makes a quick tattoo to grabs her and Tosses the driller into the middle of the ring. It was a brilliant tag by Holiday, and she more or less parabobs the situation like, "Here you go, she's all yours." So, a driller now becomes the legal person in the ring, and uh, she's getting uh, beaten up by the monsters of madness. Uh, <sighs> as this uh, kind of pushes forward. Um there's another point in the in the match where Holiday tags herself in because drilling makes the tag she she you know she was getting a beating but she does manage to get her tag into her partner tags in fire but as that's going on and you'd have to really pay attention because even the commentators didn't call it you know they called it in the reverse but the, but what happens on screen and I you know I'm really surprised that I'm having to correct it is that when Havoc gets up, she gets up near the corner of Siren and Holiday, and Holiday tags herself into the match. And the only reason I saw this is because when I heard the commentator say Havoc tagged in Holiday, you can see the exchange between the two of them. I was like, that don't look like somebody that tagged out voluntarily. It looks like somebody that was tagged out and they weren't ready for it. So I rewound what I was looking at. And I watched it again, and then you can see, like I said, in the top corner, that quick tag up to the back by Holiday on the Havoc. And so now the exchange that you're seeing in the scene makes or in the ring, I should say, makes sense. They are beefing with each other, but they're beefing with each other because, you know, what are you tagging me out for? Blah, blah, blah. Why are they doing that? Fire runs across, gives a double drop kick, trying to, you know, kick in the uh, the advantage. So we we've got that happen. It is not the last time that we see uh, a forced tag into the ring. We got one of those a little bit later on. Uh, the babyfaces, the story here, the to are fighting a huge odds because neither one of those teams are really looking out for them. And in this case, I enjoy it because, yeah, it's heel versus heel, but it's heel versus heel, and it makes sense. We are both tossed into this scenario where we are looking to get the tag team titles, and you just happen to be in the ring with me. You just happen to be in my way, so... In that regard, the heel versus heel thing works, and it also works because we got the baby face thing right in the middle of that. Uh, Holiday shows big strength here. Catches Havoc in a spine buster at least once. You know, pops the crowd there. And she also uh, hoists Havoc up in a fallaway slam position. Now, bear in mind, Havoc has also tagged herself in the ring At some point in this match too, but it boils down to Holiday and and, uh, 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 Havoc. Which now that I think about, I probably need to go back through because they had a big cluster at one point. It's like you know what—I'm not even sure if Havoc or Holiday was supposed to be the legal person, but you know it, it doesn't matter now. But it'd be interesting to see whether they actually got it right. So, big shows are straight by Holiday. She gets Havoc up one more time into this following slam. Havoc is able to slip out of it. She nails Holiday with a big big move. One, two, three. Uh, They are eliminated. And it will be the Monsters of Madness versus Fire the Driller in the finals. I. ah, It is a tough call to make. Who would win this match? Because. I don't know if I've seen uh, a heel team win in a wow in, in a tournament setting before. They've won matches and they won titles, but I don't think they've won championship, you know, right off the bat. So, I you know I, I I'm just gonna go ahead and put fire to drilling. I think fire to drilling gonna win the, the tag team championship first. I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know how they're going to overcome their odds. I don't know how they're going to get past Havoc and Hazard. But I am going to stick with the the prediction that it is going to be fire and adrenaline to win the championships first. That would be interesting to see uh, how they pull it off. But, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Even though I think they're going to take a tremendous beating from Havoc to do it. And that's probably going to be the real key is that they're going to have to get Hazard in the ring and pin her, maybe, because we've already seen uh, Havoc utilize the old strength and that she's capable of carrying two people around, and particularly that size, you know, and doing a big move like that big double fallaway slam she did with, uh, I was about to say Ray Lynn, but uh, Chantilla Chella and uh, Sassy Massey. So uh, next week we will finally finally find out who is going to be the tag team champions. And I can't wait. Although I will say, I think that, you know, this is the time where cage heat, if they were ever going to show their faces back up, they should do it. It's a story just waiting to be told with them. I mean, it's just waiting to be told. And how they're missing that, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if either one of them actually want to even be wrestling these days. I mean, I get the impression that Loka does, but I don't know if she wants to. I know she'd be willing to, but I don't know if she wants. And as far as uh, uh, Cage Heat, I mean, not Cage Heat, but dealt a lot of pain. uh, She's in Atlanta, which shouldn't be a big deal because at least two people in that match, this triple threat main event, are also from Atlanta, so they they should... uh, have means to get her out there if, they, if, they, if she really wanted to go and she was available. I, it, I, it would be nice, you know, storyline-wise to see the babyface team win and then the team that claims that we never lost it show back up. That would be cool. At least for me. So, in any case, and you know, I, I apologize if you have heard any coughing. I tried you know, to edit most of that out. I'm getting over a cold but I, you know, I'm still obligated to do these podcasts because, you know, of the of the agreements that I've made. So and I don't have anybody to step in and do these for, for me, folks. So, you know, I, I gotta take care of that when I take care of it. But anyway, it was fun because I enjoyed the show. And like I said, it's a little bit tag team heavy, but there ain't nothing wrong with that in my book. They they can just uh, you know, do do what they're doing and and it works out. I think they did a fine job here. The one thing that I wish that would have changed, as as I said a couple of times now, I thought that they should have just ended this here. It shouldn't be going into another match to find out who the tag team champions are. We should have found it out right now. But we got another week, so it's another main event, and uh, we know what that's going to be. And and I guess we'll figure out what the uh, subsidiary matches underneath that will be following. Uh, And with that, that's it, man. That, That is the entire day of the show. I mean, it was pretty quick. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know why it felt quicker this week than it would on a normal week. But yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty quick show, uh, and thus a pretty quick review. I don't think there was anything uh, over the top or any big storylines that we could really discuss. It was. It was pretty straightforward, almost as if it was a you know, primarily a wrestling show. You know what? I think that that's the big difference here. Normally we see all these video packages and vignettes and things that take place behind the scenes and, you know, how's this going and how's that going? How's this going to affect this person and so on and so forth? We really didn't get a lot of that. We didn't get the in-ring interview or uh, the, a big to-do about video packages and setting the, you know, set the stage for, uh, I guess, the tag team matches. Yeah, they did, but it just wasn't as long. So, you know, that's probably a large part of why this feels different and why it feels more like a wrestling based show and it does or it did so uh, I guess that will do it we, we've got this uh, wrestling based show which is a little bit outside of the wild wheelhouse in my opinion but they did a fine job with it uh, we've got the uh, the Monsters of Madness and Fire Drilling going to show back up next week uh, and I guess you know it should be noted that in, a, in the main event that fire adrenaline. Although they didn't lose because they, you know, they weren't pinned or submitted. You know, they didn't win either. Or you know, if they, if you said they didn't win, they didn't lose either. Either way, they were outside the ring when all this took place. So you know, when you see that the monsters of madness have won, and the camera goes to fire adrenaline, you can see the concern immediately on their face, which I thought was, you know, great job. It's like. The last thing we want to be in there is being there against those two, but that's what we got to do. So it, it should be interesting, if nothing else. That, folks, is the review. That is uh, all that was going on. My throat is really starting to bug out on me, so I'm going to finish this thing on up. But I will say, if you are on the Women's Wrestling Network YouTube channel, be free to go through and uh, check out a lot or some of our videos featuring matches, featuring matches that got some wild superstars in. I I sent one recently to Nina Monet, who you know is Siren, and uh, showed her, which I believe is her first singles championship win. And uh, the comment I got back was, you know, the glow up is real. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and that's not even the only one. I got matches with her, with her first big singles championship, her, Tag team champion, you uh, know, and, and to see the transition that she has gone through over the last uh, few years is amazing. It's simply amazing to see her and, and how she found this this persona that she wants to be and become. And she has really sunk her teeth into it, and Wow is uh, more or less conforming to her will. Just thought I'd put that in there, you know. Considering, like I said, we got a couple of people in there that are actually from Atlanta. Of course, advertised from Atlanta is, is uh, Kira Hogan, and fire. But there's a couple others, uh, uh a couple others throughout the, the roster. <coughs> Excuse me, that uh, are in in and out of Atlanta as well. But we will not go through all that now. Anyway, you know, that was just a little sidebar. So. Folks, that is it. This is the uh, end of the review. I appreciate you taking time to listen in and for all of my thoughts and comments on how this thing plays out. I want to see your comments, particularly as regards uh, to the Dixie Darlings. Uh, Did they get what they deserve? And also, did you care for this main event? How did you like it? I mean, forget the match. Forget how good or bad the match was. Did you want to see the Tag Team Championships decided this week? Or did you think that the tag team Championships were going to be decided this week? Just uh, leave your comments. Email me, mrgreen 75 Hotmail.com. And uh, that should do it, folks. So for myself, Mr. Green, the Women's Pro Center Network, and this podcast, I would like to tell you that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we'll see you on the next go-round.